0: ready to hear God's word now now this this is exciting can I can I tell you how I'm how excited I am about this new series we're in called red letters it's it's all about us being reminded of who Jesus is and coming into a fullness of relationship with him but I'm also excited about the opportunity that it brings us to be able to to invite people to come to church with us and to begin to continue to share our faith now I, I realize that Sometimes when we, we think about the idea of sharing our faith, we can get a little apprehensive. There's a lot of reasons why we might be apprehensive about sharing our faith. Maybe we feel like we don't know enough about the Bible or, you know, maybe we, we feel embarrassed or we're afraid they're going to say no and reject us. So can I just tell you that, that uh, we're all in the same boat on that? But here's what I know. I know the Holy Spirit has promised to be our, our helper. And if you remember what Jesus said before His return back to heaven, He said, "I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He's going to empower you for a specific reason to be a witness to tell people about the Gospel of Jesus Christ." Do you know what the word Gospel means? It's good news. And so, to me, I think about this, and even my own apprehension. I'm like, "How? Why am I so afraid to share good news? It's good news." You know, if I had the remedy for something like a, a you know, if I had the cure for cancer, I wouldn't hold it in. What would I do? I would make sure everybody who had cancer especially knew the remedy. Guess what? There's a cancer that we all face. It's called sin. And the good news is God took care of that. We sang about it this morning. We, did, we celebrated communion. And so let me challenge you these next five weeks as we go through this Red Letter series... Ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help you to begin to engage with people who are outside the faith. Get them to church. Listen, you don't have to, you don't even have to pray. We got people that'll pray with them. We got people that'll lead them to faith in Christ. Here's all I need you to do. Everybody lean in. Get them here. Amen? Get them here. And listen, if you're bold, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Go ahead and witness to them and you can lead them to Christ yourself. And we'll baptize them next week. How about that? This is what I feel like God's about to do in our church over the next five weeks. He's going to infuse us with a, with a fresh new sense of, mi, of mission and purpose that he's had for all of us all along. Amen? And so are you ready? Are you ready? That was weak. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Y'all are you're paying attention at least. So here's what we're going to do. Let me ask you a question. So has any of you ever had to write a paper? All right, you had to sit down and write a paper and what was the first thing you had to do as you were writing that paper? You had to come up with a topic and then you had to come up with a thesis, right? Here's what I'm going to talk about in my paper. I'm going to present an argument or something and I'm going to use the whole paper to, to support that, that thesis. Well, we're looking at the book of John, right? If you look at the book of John, you'll know that this is basically what he's done. He has he has a clear picture of his topic, and the picture is he wants to present to you who Jesus is. All right, and so what he does is he takes the time to lay out a thesis, and then he's going to support the thesis with the rest of his book. And so the book of John is unique among the the gospels because. Out of all four, it's not really—it's not like the others, the three synoptic gospels. It's a little different because John doesn't use parables. You know, he doesn't—he not doesn't talk a lot about miracles. He does have the one—the the water into wine—but as a whole, it's not a much about you know so much. It is—it's about him saying, Here, "Here's who Jesus is," and let me present to you this case. And so we're gonna we're gonna dive into the book of John. And if you're new, If you're new to Christianity or you've been a Christian for a long time, I believe that God's going to give you a greater understanding of who Jesus is. Amen? And we're going to culminate this series on Easter Sunday. Talking about and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. How many of you know the resurrection of Jesus was a game changer? Paul said this. He said, if... If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we're all still dead in our trespasses and our sins. That's how important the the resurrection, the Easter story is to us as Christians. Amen. And so the book of John, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about red letters. Why do we choose the, the idea of red letters? Well, if you know, if you've ever read the Bible, you know that in the New Testament, whenever Jesus was talking, what did they use? Red letters. What are we going to do? We're going to explore the words of Jesus through the lens and the, and the book of John. Amen. So I want to ask you, are you ready to take this red letter journey with me? Okay, So the very first red letters I want to present to you are ones that you hear all the time. John 10:10. 10, 10. right? So let's read this together. If you've read this a thousand times, that's okay. Because remember, we're we're studying and looking at the words of Jesus. What does it say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he's talking about himself. What does he say? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, this is Jesus talking. And we believe what he says. Amen. So if you believe what he says, then do you believe that God came to give you a full life? Absolutely, you do. And we always we, this, is our, this is Christ's vision for you. This is what we say around here all the time, that Christ wants you to live fully alive in him. That's the key, in Christ. And so the kind of life that, that Jesus promised is a full one. And we're going to look at that in this, this very first uh, chapter of John today. So if you'll go to John 1 with me. I want you to see here that in this, this very first chapter, you're going to notice right away, he states his thesis. He's going to tell you who Jesus is, and then we're going to take this time unpacking it. So let's take a look at this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Watch this. In him was life. Everybody say life. Life. In who is life? In Jesus, right? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Folks, can I tell you this thesis is a strong one? And the the difference between what John did and and Matthew and Mark and Luke did, they started at Jesus' birth or right around that time and and started with genealogies. You know where where John starts? The very beginning of time. Do you notice the similarities between in the beginning, Genesis 1 and John 1? He did that on purpose. What's he doing? He's establishing that Jesus wasn't just a man who was born in in a manger in Bethlehem. Did he? Put on flesh? Yes. Was, was Jesus human? Yes or no? Let me, can I tell you this? He was 100% human. But he was also 100% God. That's mind blowing. And so John is saying to us, I'm going I'm to show you throughout these 21 chapters of John that Jesus is not only a, a, a good man, a good prophet. No, he's God in the flesh. That's his thesis. You see it there? And so the importance of this is, is, is we're looking at, as you notice that John said, he used the word word to describe Jesus. In the beginning, the word was God. Isn't it interesting that he uses that? Well, that word is called logos in the, in the, in the original language. And so what it really means is the logic or the mind of God, the expression of God being revealed. So when you write your paper, we talked about a few minutes ago, you use words, right? What are your words supposed to do? They're supposed to bring a point home. They're supposed to ex- give you an experience. The best writers, some of the best-selling books of all time, they had this way of, with words, didn't they? They had a way of pulling you in and drawing you into the storyline with the words that they would declare. Is that right? Think about some of your favorite books. And think about how they used words. Here's This is the reality, folks. Lean into this. That God used the word Jesus to express his heart for you. Jesus is the expression of God's heart and love and how he feels about you. Have you ever realized that? That's why John declares that Jesus is the word. He is the expression of God. Amen. And this is, this is beautiful. And so let me ask you a few questions here as we're beginning to look at this. Who is Jesus to you? To some people, he's just a good man, right? Who is he to you? Number two, who is he in reality? Number three, what is John's thesis? We just said it. He's the word. He's God. And how is Jesus able to promise and deliver a full life to us? Some pretty powerful questions, right? And I want you to ponder those as we go through this. So if you remember in Proverbs 18, you remember the word says, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? What did he mean? What did the... The broader of Proverbs. What did Solomon mean by that? That the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. The words that we speak. Right? Can bring death or life. Think about this. What did John say about Jesus? That he was the word. Right? And his words have power. What kind of words does Jesus speak? Think about that. At the very beginning of time, guess what happened? Jesus, at the, at the creation, what did he do? He spoke, and what happened? Everything that you see, folks, everything that you see came about because Jesus spoke. Is that not powerful? Is that is that blow anybody else's mind? That just by his words, things came to being. Folks, if he can do that, he can speak life into your dead life. His words can bring life to you, and if you remember the rest of the story, when he created Adam and Eve, he he formed them out of the dust, and and he and he and he formed them as humans. What's the next thing he did? And what happened? They came to life. So can I declare to you today that Jesus, the Son of God, the one who created all things, wants to breathe life into you today. He wants his words to bring life to you. That you, can no, long, you no longer have to live a, a mundane, a bad existence. No, your, your marriages can work. Your relationships can work. Why? Because Jesus Christ can speak life into you. And this is the idea. The only way that it, that can be possible Is if Jesus really is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because listen. I can speak into your life all day long. And not much can happen. Right. But if Jesus speaks into you. Because he's God. Because he can do the miraculous. Mm -hmm. It'll change everything for you. Is everybody with me so far? Jesus is God. Can I declare you today that Jesus is God? There's some who would, like I said, who would claim that he was just a human being and he was just a good prophet. Now, if you listen to that, maybe it sounds good, but those people who will say that, they don't really know what Jesus said about himself. They don't have a clue of what he said about himself. And John lays this out. Jesus is going to declare to you with his red letters, his own words, who he is. So you cannot come to that conclusion that he's just a good man because it doesn't line up with what Jesus said. Now you can make some decisions about who Jesus is. You can say you can not believe him, right, and not trust what he says and then, so, so you here's what the conclusion you have to come to. You have to can come to the conclusion, or if he, if he's not telling the truth, then what does that make him? Makes him a liar, right? Or he's out of his mind. There's only three conclusions you can draw from this: either he's a liar, amen, or he's a lunatic. Or he's really who he says he is. Guess what? I choose to believe who he says he is. How many of you are with me this morning? And listen, this, this isn't just a faith just based on, uh, okay, I just want to believe it. No. John's going to lay out for you the reality, the credibility that Jesus has behind his words. Because remember, he made the lane to walk, Right. He opened up blind eyes. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He walked on water. He, with his word, listen to me, with his words, he said, peace be still, and the sea calmed. So it's, this is just an empty claim. He brought credibility to the argument, amen? And again, a good thesis is supported by the evidence. And this is what John's doing. He's laying this out for us. That Jesus is the son of God. So if it's true. That Jesus is God. And that he has the power to speak into your life. He can raise this deadness in you. Right? Remember what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Let's Let's read it together. Therefore. This is beautiful news. Amen. If anyone is in Christ. What is he? Say it loud. He's a new creation. God is in the business of recreating. Amen? That dead life that you've been living, God's saying it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Watch this. Old things have passed away. All things have become what? Are you glad for that this morning? That, you, that Even today, if you've been living a dead life, a, a life that you, you, you hate, this day can be a monumental day for you where you say, oh, the old's passed and the new's come. This is what Jesus, the son of God, the word made flesh can do for you. This is why it's so important to understand who he is. Ephesians 2 5. I love this. But because of his great love for us. What does it say? God is rich in mercy. Are you glad for mercy this morning? Anybody glad for mercy? Anybody understand what that means? This God of heaven who is holy and sinless. Chose not to make you pay for your sins. Amen? You didn't get what you deserved. That's mercy. Amen? And then the next part says... He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by, say it loud, grace, you've been saved. What is grace? Grace is God's favor on you that you didn't deserve. So you see the difference? Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I didn't deserve. And that's the favor of God. That's a good trade-off. Anybody glad for that trade-off? Can we celebrate that trade-off this morning? This is grace. So let's keep reading. I know I'm, I'm just getting so excited about this. I can't hardly help myself because I know there's going to be some people. This, this message series is going to just transform your lives. And so if you've been dead spiritually, Christ has the power to speak life into you and, and resurrect your dead life. Number two, if you're taking notes, Jesus came to where we are. Are you glad for that this morning? Let's look at John chapter 1. Let's start at verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. You ever, anybody recognize that today? That's the same. Same is true right now for a lot of people. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, this is such good news, folks. All who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, what did he give you the right to do? To be. Say it loud. To be children of God. Does that blow anybody else's mind, too? Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. This isn't a physical birth we're talking about. It's a spiritual birth. And watch this, verse 14. The Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. And we, and we at the first, the first verse, we said Jesus is the Word. He's God, right? And so God, you can put the word God in there, right? God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of what? Grace. And truth. That's amazing. This gospel message, this gospel story, it's an incredible story because God takes on human flesh for a reason. Why did he take on human flesh? Well, he gives a clue in there. John gives a clue. He said, Remember, he said he came to his own. Who was his own? Who was God's own? Anybody know? The children of Israel. The whole Old Testament is a story, a narrative of how God's chosen people over and over and over again sinned against God, rebelled against Him, chased after other idols. And time and time again, He says to them, Listen, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just fall in love with me, if you'll just come into a relationship with me, I'll bless you. Go read it. And time and time again, they said, No, we wanted this stuff. We don't want you, God. We want this stuff. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And so it wasn't just an Israel problem, Folks. It's a mankind problem. Because I don't know about you. There are times when I'm like, God, you know what? I'm chasing after this instead of you. Is anybody guilty of that in here? I see you. So the problem is... It wasn't just Israel that was denying God or rebelling against God. No, the whole human race because of what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Well, No, what happened to them, what they did, excuse me, that's that's almost like a victim thing. No, they make a choice, right? Let me rephrase that, make sure you understand. They made a choice and rebelled against God and sin entered the world, right? And so this problem that you all of us have of wanting things and stuff and doing all this instead of God is a problem for all of us. And God said, you know what? I want them to know so badly how much I feel about them, what I feel about them, that not only am I going to express it through my words in, in the scriptures, and, but I'm going to actually put on flesh. That's why it says the word became flesh. That's taking it to a whole new level. Amen. Amen. It's not just words on a page, but it's an actual living human human being says, I'm the word. And what does he do? He comes and he he was born in a manger, yes. But that wasn't his start, right? We already said where his start was. He don't have a start. He's God. He's eternal. But he clothes himself in flesh because we have a problem. We have a sin problem. And he says, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to clothe myself in flesh. And you know what? I mean, think about sin. All sin is is the way it's described is I'm just missing the mark, right? I got a target that I'm trying to hit. It's like anybody anybody ever go shooting? You don't want me to go shooting with you. Because I might end up shooting your foot off or something like that. Because I'm a terrible aim, right? So if you think of sin as over there, the targets here and I'm 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 hitting here constantly. That's sin. I'm missing the mark. That's the issue. And that's why Jesus had to come. So what we do is we say, well, here he is. He's God. He's in the flesh. And we understand that we're we're rebellious. We're in trouble. And God provides a way out of our sin. Is anybody grateful for that this morning? Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, here's the problem with a lot of religions. All the religions except Christianity. Can I I say that? All the other ones, you know what they say? If I do enough good, if I help enough, enough old ladies across the street, or, or if I give this to this charitable organization enough, or if I don't, and if I don't cuss, or what are these other things I, you know, don't drink and all that stuff, then I can put myself. You know what? That you know, that's dangerous. And here's the other thing: How do you ever figure out when you've done enough? It's a, it's, it really is a shot in the dark. You know, and, and a lot of people. Here's folks: a lot of people die hoping. Folks, I don't want to die hoping. You want. I do not want to die hoping. Can I give you some good news? You don't have to die hoping. Because it's not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's about everything that Christ has done for you. Let's keep reading. John 1:16. Out of his fullness. I love this. Say that. Say fullness. Does anybody else recognize his vision coming to pass here? Out of his fullness, what has he done? We have all received... Grace upon grace upon grace. You notice it's a progression. How many of you know that every day when you wake up, you need grace? Grace doesn't run out. Why does it not run out? Because remember what, what John said? Jesus came full. Say full. Full of grace and truth. In other words, it's, it's never going to run out, folks, because Jesus is grace. Grace. Is this helping anybody today? If nobody else is helping me. And so here he says, out of this fullness we have received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. There's the Old Testament idea, right? Grace and truth came through who? Jesus. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who himself is God. What's he doing? He's circling back around to his thesis. What does he say? Who is himself God as in, in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. How has he made him known? Red letters. His life. His existence on the earth. Has, 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 remember, it's the full expression of God's heart. There's a full revelation of who Jesus is. This is what troubles me, because a lot of people choose. Not to know. Right. A lot of Christians. Choose not to know. You know how I know that? Because if I pulled a lot of you in this room and this is this isn't for me making you feel bad, but this, it's just I'm, I'm speaking reality. If I pulled a lot of you in here. And I ask you how many times you read your Bible this past week, what would I find out? When we understand that every day we have the opportunity to open up the Scriptures and dive into and see the Word come to life. Because can I tell you, it's not just John. That testifies of Jesus. Do you realize that Moses testified of Jesus? That the prophets in the Old Testament testified of Jesus? The whole scriptures. Genesis to Revelation are all about Jesus. And so you know what we do? We choose. I, this, I know this word has a negative connotation. But maybe it will get your attention. We choose ignorance. Don't we? When we don't open up the scriptures, when we don't dive into the word of God, we choose ignorance. Because I promise you, if you'll do it, every time you open up the Bible, God will speak to you. Is this helping? Y'all are quiet, so either you're engaged with me or you're mad at me. Now listen to me. Don't go out here saying that pastor said we're all ignorant. If you do, I'm going to get you. That's not what I said. Y'all can't take what I just said out of context. All right, I didn't say you were ignorant. I said you choose to be ignorant about Jesus. Can I rephrase it? Am I might make it real clear? Okay. But we make that choice. All right, so I don't, I'm quit rambling there. Here's number three. This great news that I have for you, that if you feel like you're not enough, if you feel like you never measure up, there's grace upon grace. We just read it, amen? And when you don't think you're enough, he is. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, when I'm not enough, he is? Tell them, tell them. Or you can even tell them, when you're not enough, he is. Amen. So this leads me to this next point. Jesus, the word, God, right, was the lamb that was slain. To take away your sins and mine. We continue to see. Why Jesus clothed himself in flesh. Look what John said in the verse 29. Same same chapter. The next day. John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said. What did he say? Look. The Lamb of God. Who takes away. The sins. Of the world. What a powerful passage. John already knew. Right? He was the, you know, John the Baptist was the predecessor. He's the one that Isaiah talked about. This one that's going to make the path straight. Prepare the way for Christ. That's what he did. He went preaching, baptizing. You guys know that story, right? And so he declares this, this, really this prophet. It's a prophetic utterance about, about what's about to happen in a few years, right? That Jesus is going to be the lamb that was slain for our sins. And so if you understand really what he's getting at is you have to understand the Old Testament, right? So if you if you read the Old Testament, you know that that God had he chose his people, the children of Israel, and he began to reveal himself through the through Moses and, and all of the patriarchs. And then through Moses, he began to develop the system of worship in the Old Testament. If you look in the book of Exodus, and you see that, that God established this system where people's sins could be atoned for temporarily. Anybody ever read that in, in Exodus? And so they had the tabernacle. They built this, this place of worship. And his, he, he set aside these men called priests. And they would go in. To this place of worship called the tabernacle. And they would offer animal sacrifices for the sins of the people. The problem is, those were just animals, right? Didn't have the power to save. It was just a covering. It was really a temporary fix for a permanent problem, right? That's how we would describe it. And so the Old Testament, you've got these guys that are sacrificing animals. Once a year, they would go into this place called the Holy of Holies. That only they could go in. Folks, you and I couldn't have gone in. It was just the priest, the high priest, once a year, going in, sacrificing for the sins. Not only their sins, but his. The priest himself needed forgiveness. Amen. And so this, this, this system of sacrifices... They had to choose animals that were unblemished, spotless. They couldn't have any blemishes. Lambs that were spotless with no blemishes. So here's how we relate this. John says that Jesus is the lamb who's going to take away the sins of the world. What's he alluding to? There's only one person who could pay the penalty for your sins and mine. And it take hold forever. Remember, spotless. Without blemish. The way we see it is without sin. Doesn't this make sense? That God himself who is holy, who is sinless, would come to earth clothe himself in flesh and say, you know what? I'll be that spotless lamb. I'll be that unblemished lamb and I'll die for you. And my blood, my blood will cleanse you forever. No more need for yearly sacrifices. Listen, the moment Christ said it is finished on the cross, it was done. It was, it was finished once and for all. Amen. And that's why he could say with such, with such urgency and such confidence that your sins I remember no more. Only God in the flesh could pay the penalty for your sins. I couldn't do it. Why? Because I'm flawed. I'm sinful. You couldn't do it, Bob. Only Jesus could be the lamb. Spotless lamb. Slain. And the Bible says he was slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? He didn't die until what? 2,000 years ago? No. You know what it means? It was in the heart of God all along. He knew what we were going to do. He knew we would rebel. And so from the very beginning of time, God said, I'm going to have this spotless lamb. I'm going to make a way for my people to stay in a good relationship with me. Isn't that good news this morning? This wasn't just a plan B, folks. It wasn't God up in heaven. Oh, man, Adam and Eve blew it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? No, you know what? He already knew. He already knew. Slain from the foundation of the world. So prophetically, John says, This is what's about to happen. If you look in the book of Revelation, which, by the way, was written by John as well, he sees this picture of heaven, of worship in heaven. Has anybody ever read that? You know what they're saying? They're crying out, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Folks, you know why we gather together for worship? You know why we sang today? The death was arrested. You know why we sang, Oh, praise the name? Because we want to join with the heavens and the angels and the elders in saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Can we just celebrate that this morning? Put your hands together and celebrate the Lamb that was slain. Amen. Last one, I'm almost done, I promise, and my timer just went out, so whoo, okay, we got to hurry. <laughs> Number four, because of what Christ did, because of this lamb being slain, the Bible says, remember I said that the, the priest, they could only go in once a year, and because that was, it was that holy place, because they, that's where they met with God. Well, the Bible says that the moment Jesus said it is finished. There was this veil that separated that area. Nobody could go in because of this big curtain. And the Bible says the moment Jesus said, it is finished, that veil went ripped down the middle. And guess what? Guess what that means for you and me? We don't have to go through a priest anymore. No, I have access. I have direct access to the king of glory right now, right here. Amen? That's beautiful. It's beautiful to understand this, that Jesus made a way. We have awesome access to God because of Jesus. And so you understand, you think about this for a second. The common, the ordinary, the sinful, the rebellious. Being able to have association and friendship with the holy. Some of you, that's, what some, that's where some of you struggle. There's no way God could love me. There's no way that God could care about me. I've done too much. There's no way that, that the holy, this holy God could accept me. You don't know what I've done. Listen to me, folks. That's not true. Now, if Jesus wasn't in the mix, yes. we're all. But see, the, the truth is we're all in a mess in that point. Because we couldn't access God. Because we are too sinful. But thanks be to God, Jesus made a way. He became our mediator. Amen. He stood in the gap for you and me. Amen. If you'll get this, it will change your life, folks. And so now, because of Jesus, you can come to him anytime, any place, anywhere. I'm not knocking other religions. There are some religions that have people still confessing sins to a priest. That's okay, I guess. But listen, your ultimate confessions to him, that priest can't save you. Amen. He didn't die for you. And now you don't have, you can, you actually, you know what you've done? That middleman. you've actually surpassed. Now you can go beyond him and go straight to God yourself. Amen. That's the beauty of this gospel. It's amazing how because of what Jesus did, your relationship with God can thrive. It can, it can be an awesome God, because you can approach him without fear. You don't have to be ashamed. Because remember. I keep saying this. Your sins. He remembers no more. So the only person. Can I help you a little bit if you'll lean in? Remember we said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The only person who's going to remind you about your sins from this day forward. Is him. He's the one that's going to bring up your past and tell you you're not good enough. And when he does that, no, no, no. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I've been cleansed by the blood. Jesus promised me that my sins will be remembered no more. You can't say that to me. Amen. Is this helping anybody today? This is who you are. This is your identity in Christ. This is what full life looks like. You have access to God. Hebrews 4 says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Find help and strengthen our time of need. It didn't say sometimes. It's 20, 24-7 access. Jesus' own words show us. Remember, we're talking about red letters, right? The words of Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, what does he say? What does he say? Come to me. Who is Jesus? He's God. So God's saying, come to me, all you who labor, are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Does that sound like a God that wants to reject you and push you away? No, the opposite's true. Then he says in John 14, 6, again, his red letters, Jesus answered, I am. You notice this I am statement? Do you know how how important it is to understand that? If you know the book of Exodus, you know that in 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 the wilderness, that in the desert, Moses has an encounter with God, and what does God tell him? He asks him the question, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them I am. Jesus is saying about himself right here. By using I am, he's telling everybody who hears, I'm God. So he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see how much he's bridged this gap? And now you and I have access to God. We can come to him and have relationship with God because of Jesus. The neat thing about it is that his, his work, once he said it is finished on the cross, Jesus' work did not stop. Do you realize that? He lived uh, he he lived on the earth about forty days, past his resurrection. From the time he resurrected to the time he was ascended, it was forty days, right? And he began to he continued to teach and 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 get his disciples ready for his ascension back to heaven. And when he went to heaven his job has not stopped now he's your high priest he prays on your behalf he intercedes on your behalf and you know what makes it so credible he's not this god who says i have no clue what they're up to or how they feel right he could have but you know what he did? He chose to experience what we experience. He chose to, to feel the pain of a friend die. He chose to feel the pain of being tempted. The, the, he chose to feel agony. He chose to feel all of the things that you and I experience. Why? Because he knew one day he would be standing before at the right hand of God, sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession. He can honestly say, I know how they feel. Does this not blow your mind? The God of heaven went this far, went to this great lengths to prove to you how much he loves you and how much he wants a relationship with you. The fact that he would... Empathize with you. You've heard that, that phrase. Oh, you need to walk a mile in my shoes. You Anybody ever said that? Maybe you said that to somebody. Guess what? Jesus did. He walked a mile in your shoes. So when you have that struggle, when you're going through that test, when you're going through that trial, you know what he can say? I understand. And what he said at the end of the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel, you know, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the truth is, he understands and he's walking with you. There's some folks in this room you're struggling right now, and there may be a number of things relationships, maybe. You've had some go south. Maybe you've had people walk out of your life. Maybe you're facing a a physical difficulty, a financial difficulty. Can I tell you, God understands. Jesus understands. So our our response to this whole idea that God himself took on flesh, walked as we did, Died us a cruel death on the cross. Walked out of the tomb. Was all because of that first verse I read to you. I've come that you might have life. And have it to the full. Out of the fullness. Out of his fullness. We have received grace upon grace. Folks, if you're in a place right now. Or you've never made the decision to, to believe. Remember what John said in 112? If you believe and confess, you can be in right relationship with God. All of your sins forgiven. That can happen today. Would you... Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.